Section 15 of Thrift. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by T.R. Love of Pleasant Hill, California. Thrift by Samuel Smiles. Section 15. The Little Things. Part 2. One would scarcely expect that for a penny a day it would be possible to obtain anything valuable, and yet it may be easily shown how much a penny a day, carefully expended, might do toward securing a man's independence and providing his wife and family against the future pressure of poverty and want take up a prospectus and tables of a provident society intended for the use of those classes who have a penny a day to spend that is nearly all the working classes of the country it is not necessary to specify any particular society because the best all proceed upon the same data the results of extensive observations and experience of health and sickness and their tables of rates certified by public actuaries are very nearly the same now looking at the tables of these life and sickness assurance societies let us see what a penny a day can do one for a penny a day a man or woman of twenty-six years of age may secure the sum of ten shillings a week payable during the time of sickness for the whole of life two for a penny a day payments ceasing at sixty years of age a man or woman of thirty-one years of age may secure the sum of fifty pounds payable at death whenever the event may happen even though it should be during the week or the month after the assurance has been effected three for a penny a day a young man or woman of fifteen may secure a sum of one hundred pounds the payment of the penny a day continuing during the whole of life but the one hundred pounds being payable whenever death may occur four for a penny a day a young man or woman of twenty may secure an annuity of twenty-six pounds per annum or of ten shillings per week for the whole of life after reaching the age of sixty-five five for a penny a day the payment commencing from the birth of any child a parent may secure the sum of twenty pounds payable on such child reaching the age of fourteen years six for a penny a day continued until the child readies the age of twenty-one years the sum of forty-five pounds may be secured to enable him or her to begin business or start housekeeping. 7. For a penny a day, a young man or woman of twenty-four may secure the sum of one hundred pounds, payable on reaching the age of sixty, with the right of withdrawing four-fifths of the amount paid in at any time the whole of the payments being paid back in the event of death occurring before the age of sixty such is the power of a penny a day who would have thought it yet it is true as any one can prove by looking at the tables of the best assurance offices put the penny a day in the bank and it accumulates slowly even there however it is very useful 
but with the assurance office it immediately assumes a vast power a penny a day paid in by the man of thirty-one is worth sixty pounds to his wife and family in the event of his dying next month or next year it is the combining of small savings for purposes of mutual assurance by a large number of persons that gives to the penny its enormous power the effecting of a life assurance by a working man for the benefit of his wife and children is an eminently unselfish act it is a moral as well as a religious transaction it is providing for those of his own household it is taking the right step towards securing the independence of his family after he the breadwinner has been called away this right investment of the pennies is the best proof of practical virtue and of the honest forethought and integrity of a true man the late joseph baxendale was a constant friend of the working people who cooperated with him in the labors of his life he was a man of strong common sense and might have been styled the franklin of business he was full of proverbial wisdom and also full of practical help he was constantly urging his servants to lay by something for a rainy day or for their support in old age he also used to pension off his old servants after they had ceased to be able to work he posted up texts along his warehouses so that those who ran might read never despair nothing without labor he who spends all he gets is on the way to beggary time lost cannot be regained let industry temperance and economy be the habits of your lives these texts were printed in large type so that every passer-by might read them while many were able to lay them to heart and to practice the advices which they enjoined on other occasions mr baxendale would distribute amongst his workpeople or desire to be set up in his warehouses and places of business longer and more general maxims he would desire these printed documents to be put up in the offices of the clerks or in places where men are disposed to linger or to take their meals or to assemble preparatory to work they were always full of valuable advice we copy one of them on the importance of punctuality method is the hinge of business and there is no method without punctuality punctuality is important because it subserves the peace and good temper of a family the want of it not only infringes on necessary duty but sometimes excludes this duty the calmness of mind which it produces is another advantage of punctuality a disorderly man is always in a hurry he has no time to speak to you because he is going elsewhere and when he gets there he is too late for his business or he must hurry away to another before he can finish it punctuality gives weight to character such a man has made an appointment then i know he will keep it and this generates punctuality in you for like other virtues it propagates itself servants and children must be punctual when their leader is so appointments indeed become debts 
I owe you punctuality if I have made an appointment with you and have no right to throw away your time if I do my own. Some may inquire, who was Joseph Baxendale? He was, in fact, Pickford and Company, the name of a firm known all over England as well as throughout the continent. Mr. Baxendale was the son of a physician at Lancaster. He received a good education, went into the cotton trade, and came up to London to represent the firm with which he was connected. A period of commercial pressure having occurred, he desired to leave the cotton trade and to enter upon some other business. Mr. Pickford had already begun the business of a carrier, but he was hampered by want of money. Mr. Baxendale helped him with capital and for a time remained a sleeping partner, but finding that the business made no progress, principally for want of management, he eventually determined to take the active part in working and managing the concern. He threw his whole energies into the firm of Pickford and Company. He reorganized the agencies and extended them throughout the kingdom. He put flying vans upon the road, equal to our express trains, and slow vans equal to our goods trains. He utilized the canals to a large extent, putting on flying boats between all the larger towns. Indeed, the roads of the country were then so bad that in certain seasons it was almost impossible to convey merchandise from one part of the country to another. The carrying on of such an important and extensive business required much capital, great energy, and first-rate business management. The horses necessary to carry on the traffic were increased from about fifty, which they were in the time of Pickford, to more than a thousand, for relays of horses were necessary at all the stopping places on the line of traffic, between London and Manchester, between London and Exeter, and between London and Edinburgh. A shipbuilding yard was established, where all the boats, flying and slow, required to carry on the business, were constructed at Mr. Baxendale's expense. The carrying business required a great deal of personal supervision. Only a man of determined spirit and indomitable energy could have done it. He had a flying boat in which he rapidly passed along the canals, seeing that the men were at their posts, that the agents were at work, and the traffic duly provided for. He did this by night as well as by day. At other times he would fly along the roads in his special traveling carriage, always paying the highest prices to the innkeepers, in order that he might secure the best horses and avoid delay and loss of time. He would overtake his vans and see that his men were sober, and that they were well forward at the stations along the road, that their blunderbusses were loaded, for highway robbery was then one of the risks of traveling by road, that the agents were doing their duty, and that everything was in proper order. Besides overtaking the vans, he would sometimes travel by a by-road, for he knew nearly every road in the country, push on, and then double back upon his drivers, who never knew whether he was before or behind them, and thus general vigilance became the rule of all. 
by these and various other means the business of the concern was admirably done and the carrying trade of the country was brought to as high a state of perfection as was compatible with the then state of the roads and canals when all this had been accomplished the disturbing influence of railways began i see mischief in these confounded iron roads said the duke of bridgewater but the time for railways had arrived and they could not be postponed the first railroads were used for the conveyance of coals from the pits to the seaside where they were shipped for london then it was proposed that they should be laid for the conveyance of goods from town to town and the largest traffic being in lancashire one of the first railways was constructed between liverpool and manchester from which towns they were afterwards constructed in all directions throughout the country had mr baxendale resisted the new means of conveyance he would before long have been driven off the road but he clearly foresaw the ultimate triumph of the railway system and he went with it instead of against it he relieved the liverpool and manchester company of a great deal of trouble by undertaking to manage their goods traffic and by collecting and delivering it at both towns then when the railways from warrington to birmingham and from birmingham to london were projected he gave evidence before the committees of parliament in proof of the estimated traffic and when the lines were made he transferred the goods from his carrying vans to the railway he thus became a great railway carrier collecting and delivering goods in all the cities and towns served by the railways which had by that time become established he also became a large shareholder in the railways his status in the southeastern line was so great that he was invited to become chairman of the company he was instrumental in conjunction with the late sir william cubitt in pushing on the line to dover but the dover harbour board being found too stingy in giving accommodation to the traffic and too grasping in their charges for harbour dues mr baxendale at once proceeded on his own responsibility to purchase folkestone harbour as the port of the southeastern company he next proceeded to get up the bologna and amiens railway which was for the most part constructed with english capital and the direct line from london to paris was thus completed his arduous labors in connection with his own business as well as with railway extension having thrown him into ill health he went abroad for repose while absent a faction was got up in liverpool for the purpose of appointing another chairman in his stead and though he was unseated by a trick he himself accepted his dismissal with pleasure his sons were now able to help him in the conduct of his business though he continued to the close of his life to take an interest in everything that was going on he was never weary of well-doing he never rested in giving his good advice the results of his large experience to the assistants clerks and working men employed in his various offices we conclude our brief notice of his life by giving another of his run-and-read sermons 
which he distributed plentifully among his employees and had affixed in various portions of his warehouse it was entitled good maxims and advice an old servant of the concern observed a short time ago that he began life in the employ of pickford upon low wages and that by frugality and industry he had gained a competency his maxim was never to spend more than ninepence out of every shilling although this may appear a trifle recollect that it is five shillings in twenty ten pounds in forty suppose a young man to pursue this system let him obtain the first twenty pounds add each year ten pounds he will at the end of six years be possessed of upwards of one hundred pounds if in early life the opportunity is suffered to pass it rarely happens that one can save money when more advanced in years the concern in which we are engaged has been defrauded by those who have for thirty years received salaries the savings from which had they followed the plan that is recommended would have placed them in situations of comparative affluence and we should now have seen them respectable members of society upon industry and frugality our well-doing depends it is not great talents but steady application that is required there are none of us that may not obtain stations of respectability god helps them that help themselves he that follows pleasure instead of business will shortly have no business to follow i frequently complain of what may be called trifles but from these arising frequently we are at length lost let each attend to his respective duties keep the appointed hours and never defer till to-morrow what may be done to-day if business is more pressing than usual give additional time that your own accounts may not fall into confusion and that you may not be the means of causing delay and trouble to others it often happens that the negligence of individuals throws additional labor upon those who are anxious for regularity hiding or screening the faults or errors of others is a system that has prevailed and caused much loss and injury frequently to the offending party always to the employer late occurrences lead me to draw your attention to this subject it is important in every sense both as regards your public and private stations there is nothing more worthy of a man than truth nothing makes him feel himself so despicable as a lie recollect that men act lies without speaking them and that all false appearances are lies he therefore who seeing his employer injured neglects to make it known is equally guilty with this addition that he is practising a lie want of punctuality is a lie speak and act openly on all occasions errors will be fewer and labor will be decreased it seldom happens that we can do any important services but small services are always in use take therefore every opportunity of assisting each other you are then most effectually serving your employers as well as keeping up a spirit of cordiality and goodwill amongst yourselves a good christian 
must be a good servant. Whatever your lot in life may be, above all things, remember that the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. End of section 15